Broadcasting from deep within the great pit of Carcoon, this is the Dubac Discussion Podcast, your source for Star Wars news, theories, and reviews, with your host, TJ Bowser and Grandmaster Ziad. Everyone and welcome to episode 15 of the Do Back Discussion podcast. This is your host TJ Bowser, Grandmaster Ziad. Today is May 29th, 2018, and we have an exciting show for you today. We we really do. Uh, it's our solo reaction show. It's our first time back in three weeks after our brief hiatus from these the podcast waves. Know what I'm saying? Star Wars news. But it, it's great to be back, and I'm sure Mo feels the same way. Oh, absolutely. Um, been a while, and just been looking forward to this since uh, the beginning of the break. Absolutely. Uh, so, we both watched Solo. But first, let's yeah. talk about each other's weeks. Uh, how's your week been, man? It's all Ramadan, you know, fasting, trying to get through the day. Star Wars, playing a lot of Battlefront. Uh, yesterday or two days ago, we watched Force Awakens. Uh, pretty good. Always pretty good week so far. How about you, man? Uh, really good. Uh, I watched Rogue One prior to going to see uh, Solo. Uh, nice. Kind of getting me, you know, a little warmed up there. You know, those standalone films. Uh, getting the vibe, you know. Yep. I went. I went to go see Solo. I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Then I, I kind of had the weekend to sit on it and think. Things family got in the way yesterday, so we couldn't do this episode yesterday. But needless to say, we're here now and we're broadcasting. Live from the Great Pit of Carcoon. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. So let's talk a little bit about Solo. Get on with some news from the week and, well, the last couple of three weeks, you know. It's going to be a, maybe a, about the regular length episode. But let's talk about Solo right now, you know, right now. But how yeah, did you right feel now. about Alden Ehrenreich's portrayal of Han in Solo, A Star Wars Story? Well, I don't know, uh, first off, how you felt about it, but I personally was really satisfied. I thought he did a great job of preserving the cockiness, but doing it in a way so as it's from the cock, it's the same cockiness coming from someone who isn't as experienced. You can still tell the smooth charm is there, but it's, again, it's from someone who's not as experienced as the solo from the original trilogy. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree with you on that. Uh, I got, I, 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 like, he wasn't imitating Harrison Ford. He was playing the character of Han Solo. Precisely. That's what we wanted. And I feel like he did it really well. And it, like about 10 minutes in, like I, I was like, this is a fucking Han Solo movie. Like this is what we waited six months for. This is what all that hype was about that we saw. And I really enjoyed his take. Uh, I It made me believe that Alden was Han Solo. And then that was what Han Solo that we were seeing on screen. So I, I feel like he did his job very well. Oh, I the wholeheartedly agree. I think exactly what you're saying. He wasn't imitating Harrison Ford as he was. He was doing a rendition of Han Solo, a young and one that one that fits perfectly with um, everything we've expected. Yeah, personally, as how as how you know you and I feel. So, how do you feel about Donald Glover playing Lando? Well, <laughs> woo, 
a lot can be said on this point, but uh, yes. suffice to say that I'm sure we all were expecting great things from Don Glover, and he did deliver. Yes. He had the same smooth charm uh, that we saw in the original trilogy. Uh, it, it was, yeah, over it was just the style, the and the, the the finesse that's the word i'm looking for there we the go finesse of it. yeah you bruno mars you know you know <laughs> so yeah i feel like he he brought back that whole that old feeling that we had whenever we we watched episode five for the first time and we got to see that you know that double cross and no good swindler that is Orlando uh, calrissian uh I, don't, I didn't really see a lot of that pansexuality thing going on yeah yeah me neither about. the only thing you could point to is his crush on uh, L337. And it was more of his just his relationship with that droid and what he made her to be, you know? And it, she, and we'll talk about her a little bit later, but I, I didn't see anything that, like... I mean, we got a lot of hype, and we got a lot of attention from our articles about that pansexuality thing. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. with seeing the film now, I really don't feel like there was a lot of that going on. I don't feel like it was that SJW agenda that everyone thought I was going to have, and... I mean, as usual, it was a overreaction on a lot of people. It was, parts. especially with our uh, with our writer Joel. He he really took that uh, tagline and ran with it. And then he also just a just like a brief disclaimer: the Joel's thoughts do not reflect Muhammad and I or the rest of Dubak discussion. It, it's more of we we let him off the leash. He does his damage, and then we put him back on. He's currently in the doghouse, but other than that, like he's. He's pretty, uh, pretty outspoken, you know. Oh, absolutely, and I think there's something to be said for that. Someone who is outspoken, and you know, I respect him. I think, uh, and I know you and I both we're we're glad to have him on the team. He does a lot of great stuff. For absolutely, the, for the network. Um, but yeah, an opinion is an opinion and does not reflect the rest of the team. Just like my personal opinion does not reflect the rest of the teams either. Uh. Oh, continuing on and on with our discussion. <laughs> got a little carried away there. Got a little text from my mother. Uh, Ooh. Anyway, got to had to text her back there. God damn you, mom. Uh, what's next on our agenda? Yeah, so okay. what, what did you think of uh, Chewie being a main character? Oh, I, I, I feel like it, it was much needed. And bringing him into the forefront and into the main character list instead of having him as a supporting character really made this film. And we got to see his uh, personality really shine through, especially with this cast. Uh, I feel like his interactions with Han were fucking premium. Uh, the action scenes with Chewie were absolutely great. There was a lot of humor in his performance. And I think Jonas Sonato, Sonotomo or whatever the hell it is. Hello. Yeah. Uh, he, he plays Chewie really, really well, and it's and it's really hard to tell unless you can tell by the height that it's that it's Peter Mayhew. I mean, he plays it to the T, and I just feel like his body language and the way that he uh, does the whole mouth thing it really is convincing that it's a Wookiee in there that we're looking at on screen and not just a person in a suit. And it it really brings life to that character, you know? Yeah, you're absolutely right. It was indistinguishable almost practically from uh, Jonas's delivery from from you know peter may who which who yep. we're used to which is a good thing considering that now jonas uh satama is going to continue portraying han you know no, a little sorry, fun fact han there he was Dewey. actually supposed to play uh penn state for i mean basketball for penn state and then he got the call to uh to play chewbacca and he's pretty much just dropped everything and then went over and uh started doing the chewbacca thing for episode seven and eight 
hey, if I was a million feet tall and I got a call to play Chewbacca, yeah. you know, I would be there. <laughs> His baby's pretty cute, too. I follow him on Instagram. Uh, very cute oh. family. Very cute baby. Uh, That's adorable. How did you feel about Han and Chewie's relationship on this film? You know, the bromance they had going on? I think you touched on it pretty well. Yes. Uh, but I'll expand a little bit on it. Really, what this movie does really well is we know that the tight-knit relationship between Han and Chewie from the original trilogy and from Force Awakens. But what this what this movie did really well is that it, it expanded it in a way that now we understand yes. why their relationship is so tight-knit. And it's because why Han feels so devoted to Chewbacca. And it's because Chewbacca, throughout the movie, um, is really the only character who does not screw Han over in some way, shape, or form. Oh, absolutely. And uh, that meeting scene, what do you think of that? <laughs> I did not see that coming, to be honest with you. But, uh, you know, it was it was a nice slip. It kind of showed you um, they first met and they're both chained the feet. Yeah. And ever since then, it's like the chains have never really taken off. They've been side by side ever since. Yep. Even with that uh, that decision that they made in the in the minds of Kessel, whenever he went to go help the other Wookiees escape, he kind of still came back to him because he felt like he had a, he had that duty to, to come back to Han, the guy that freed him from the Empire. You know. Oh, absolutely. And then and then the other Wookiee is like, "Hey, you coming with us, Chewie?" <laughs> and then he's. He's like, no dog. Or, you know, that's his uh, way of saying, no dog, I'm with Han. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, I got to do this. There was definitely moments like the, the 190 years old thing. Uh, I appreciated that. And no, then, like what? That's insane. Yeah. And then I wonder how old I wonder relatively how old that is for other rookies. Yeah, that that's probably like, like a relativity thing. Like, yeah, I, I wonder. Like, is, he like, is he like 19 years old? in Wookiee years now <laughs> yeah. so uh, that scene whenever he like finally got into the cockpit like a little tear you know what I'm saying like <laughs> that's like it's just a little tear like th- this is real like this is happening we're, we're finally watching this Han Solo movie and we just saw Han like and Chewie like in pa- piloting the Falcon the first time. yeah and they fuck it up like <laughs> really bad <laughs> so what about uh, Lando and L3's relationship? Now, there is something worth talking about because yes. I'm still unsure how I feel about it. I definitely think it was. It, hmm, hmm. I feel OK. Now, the whole love thing. OK, I get uh, you being around someone for an extended period of time. You start having feelings of love for them. You have love for them. Now, him actually being in love with the character that is L3, the droid. uh I can kind of see it. I mean, it's it's Star Wars. Anything goes at this point. And, and I also want to make something very clear that this is not Disney making these films. It is Lucasfilm. Disney is just the parent company of Lucasfilm. It is still Lucasfilm that are making these movies. This still the same people that worked under George Lucas. Just because Disney owns it does not mean the whole franchise is going into a different direction. This is still the same Kathleen Kennedy that had the company with George Lucas. So I don't know why people sit there on the fucking internet and complain that Disney's ruining the fucking series whenever it is not Disney's fault. And there is nothing wrong with this fucking series. It's a modern take on the Star Wars saga that we fell in love with. I'm tired. I am tired 
of going on message boards and seeing fellow Star Wars fans that claim to be prequel lovers, that claim to be original trilogy lovers, and they're bashing on the new ones, the sequels and the, and the one-offs, saying that they're all social justice shit and that they're all completely trash. Whenever you really think about it, Episode 7, Episode 8, they fucking rocked at the box office. Not saying that that's a reflection on the movie or what it's worth, because if we've seen anything with Solo, that that's not the case. But those movies did good because they are good movies. It is it's playing out right there. If Disney did anything by acquiring this company, it is allowing the marketing to be a hell of a lot fucking bigger than what it was underneath Lucas's uh, reign. So whenever people say, next time you hear someone say, well, fuck Disney, they ruined Star Wars, you can tell them, well, fuck you, because you're stupid enough to actually believe that. Here, here, dude. I totally agree. I think that it's a risky move they made with Lando and L337, but I definitely think with Lando's portrayal and Phoebe Waller-Bridge's portrayal, it felt natural. Got, got, it got pulled off. Yes, and that uh, that conversation between Kira and L three in the in the in the cockpit of the Falcon, uh, that was a very fun and entertaining scene. And the whole love thing, it makes sense with uh, later callbacks to like episode six when he's actually driving the Falcon. Yeah, uh, it, it it makes sense, and it it understands why like Han's constantly hitting the Falcon. Later, we find out that L three becomes part of the Falcon after she is destroyed on the fight of Castle, but. Like, why Han's always hitting it and saying, come on, you need to work, you need to wake up and stuff like that. Like, the Falcon's alive. And I believe in some legend stories that it also says that there are multiple droid brains hooked up to the Falcon. So the Falcon is the character in and of itself. And essentially, L3 is that character. And also, I heard uh, other this week that there are other L3 droids out there that Lando and L3 made. And the last shot, it says something about that. They, they have a whole army of L3s out there to help Lando. So this might not be the, the last we see of L3. Oh, definitely not. And like you said, she's a part of the Falcon. And that helps explain why Lando is so attached mm-hmm. to the Millennium Falcon. And when you've seen her go down during that fight in Kessel, the, the rebellion in Kessel, if you would like to say, uh, you really saw his passion whenever he's raging towards her, like, you know, shooting everybody, doing the fucking slides and the rolls and stuff. Uh, like, the passion that, like, he cares about this droid. And, like, this droid is a big part of his life. So, oh, absolutely. there's nothing wrong with the relationship between them. I enjoyed L3 as a character. She's absolutely wonderful as a character. And I, I wish we saw more of her, though. Yes. And, I, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get, uh, we'll get comics, we'll get books, we'll get stuff like that, where we actually do end up seeing uh, L3 again. Uh, reading about L3, you know, any any of that sort of medium that we will get, especially with modern Lucasfilm, we always ended up getting a an addition to the stories. We get prequels, sequels, you know, uh, meanwhile, elsewhere type deals. So with that being said, let's move on to our next topic, which would be the Aura Sing Easter egg during the uh, right right before the Sabak game. Yeah, you want to take this, dude? Yeah, I'll take Cause this. Because me personally, I'm like that kind of went over my head. If, if you don't understand who Aura Singh is, Aura Singh was in episode one. She was watching the pod race. She is a bounty hunter that I want to believe she might have worked for Jabba, but might not, might not have. Might not have. She's gray. She has like this ponytail coming out the back of her head. She uses a slug thrower, stuff like that. Uh, you see her a little bit in Clone Wars, but apparently in this film, it's like, hey, you're Tobias Beckett. You're the person that killed Aura Singh. And he's like, no, I kind of pushed her and the, and the fall killed her. And I, I thought that was kind of funny because people who like are hardcore fans will get the joke and will understand like, oh, so that's what happened to her. 
And I feel like that's just like a good callback to that older Star Wars stuff, to that uh, older Lucasfilm thing. And I'm happy that Ron Howard honored those Legends films. I mean, those Legends books and those the, the Clone Wars series and the Rebels series and stuff like that. And w- with later cameos, we'll also we'll also see that he really did a really good job connecting the prequel trilogy to the original trilogy. Oh, absolutely. I think um, that's really one of the. Same way Rogue One was connecting it, uh, Solo was another, was another move to try to connect them. Yes. And a, a lot of, um, kind of the nods they give at certain things in the different prequels or sequels, um, not sequels or the original trilogy or the Clone Wars, uh, thoroughly enjoyed. That's why it gives, like, it doesn't detract. Like, the movie was no less amazing for someone who did not pick up on that. Yeah. However, it did add a little something extra for the diehard Star Wars fan. Absolutely. So what was your favorite new planet from the new movie? Personally, I don't know if it counts as a new planet, but Kessel. I really liked Kessel. Well, it's I'm the first really time that interested. we're seeing Kessel live action. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, um, Kessel, like, I don't, I don't want to say I like the slavery, but, yeah. like, I'm interested in, like, this dynamic that's that's on the planet, especially with the, with the rebellion that ends up happening. I want to know what happened as a result of that rebellion, like, did it get crushed? Did, did this happen? Did that happen? Did they went out? You know, you have like, and that also, the uh, and the slaves all free and the droids all free. It was, it's quite a sight seeing the droids stomping on the computers. Now, Kessel did not fall after that. Uh, if you remember correctly, in episode four, C3PO said they might catch us and throw us in the spice mines of Kessel. Oh, at the beginning you're of the right. Movie. Yes. Hey, this is why we're doing this, buddy. Our fucking knowledge is vast. Uh, <laughs> Between you and me, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's fucking encyclopedia. So I would say my favorite planet might be Corellia, just because of how dark it is. And it, it, it really, that's how, whenever I saw Corellia on screen, that's exactly how I viewed it when I was reading the the older Star Wars Legends novels. Uh, like, I, I saw it as that dirt, dark, dirty, uh, industrial production type planet, like it, like a giant factory. Pretty much, and yeah, for sure. With the under underbosses, well, the, the crime lords, and the, you know, uh, with Lady Proxima running everything, and Malek. I really like that sequence. You know, whenever he gets brought before Lady Proxima, and he has the rock in his hand, and she's like a giant caterpillar with jewelry coming out of that water, and he has that stone, and he's like, and she's like, "That's a stone in your hand, and you made a clicking noise." He's no, it's a thermal detonator, and he throws it through, and seeing that everyone there is actually allergic to the sun, and it burns them. And then Moloch has that weird face thing. Now, I believe that both the, uh, the three and three quarter inch uh, Moloch figure actually has that face ability. Really? Yeah. Uh, I feel like that's like one of his t- uh, cool things. And the Moloch toy is actually really cool. And the character himself is really cool. It's just that he was a brief uh, character because he was telling the, the story from, from that point 13 years before New Hope. And that's just where Han was. And I mean, I guess he was part of the, Han's life during that point. But I, I really liked Corellia, and I really liked uh, you know uh, the Imperial uh, recruiting station area. That that was really cool, like the propaganda signs and stuff. You can really see like uh, George Lucas's vision of comparing the Empire to the the Nazi regime. Uh, the similarities are very there with the, with the intense propaganda campaigning and uh, the intense recruitment centers and stuff like that. It's really uh, it's really cool to see that that legacy still holding strong, and that the Empire is still being viewed like that in these uh, more recent films. Absolutely. I 100% agree with you. Uh, let's see here. Uh, what's your thoughts on Emphis Nest? 
Now, Emphis Ness, that was a twist I didn't see coming. We thought she was going to be a bad guy in the movie. Yeah, yeah. And for the for most of the movie, you thought she was, uh, right? You just thought yeah, she was another I thought so. rival crime. And before we get into that, let's, let's talk about the, the score for whenever she shows up. And I think I pointed this out to you, that the score that John Powell wrote for The Marauders Arrive, that is a very good song. That really oh, is. Adds. I added it to my Star Wars playlist. It's, it's really good. And... uh the whole movie was scored very, very well. And I, and I know this is a little sidebar going off here, but John Powell did a really, really good job, like, like I just said. But uh, John Williams adding Han's theme and stuff in here. I feel like I, – and I also believe that John Powell did the Bourne movies, uh, and he did a good job I on those. Uh, I think he did, yeah. But like songs like Marauders Arrive, Chicken in the Pot – and uh, the Sabak game, the song that plays during that, I feel like it really encompasses the feeling of the room, of the scene. And with these, uh, like with uh, the guy that did Rogue One, the Michael G something, I can't pronounce Italian last names. I'm horrible at it. Uh, but he did a good job too. And uh, I just feel like not every, John, John Williams doesn't have to do Star Wars films for it to be a Star Wars film. If anything's come of these one-off films is... That that proves to us that we don't need John Williams. Granted, he he needs to do the the saga films, but he also. But I feel like th- there's other composers out there that are just as good, and I and I'd say that uh, Marauders Arrive is better than Duel of the Fates. Continue with our Anthos Nest talk. <laughs> just gonna add, just gonna just gonna add that and then just shy away from it. Yeah. <laughs> it is it is really good. Yes, the entire score was was amazing, especially Emphis Nest's um, Marauders Arrive theme. Now, Emphis Nest, the twist with her was really something to to behold, and because right when because you know Rogue One was all about the rebellion, yes, and then now you had a movie that had nothing to do with the rebellion, and then suddenly it does. Suddenly, it has everything to do with the rebellion. It has to do with the very beginning um, embryonic stages of the rebellion. And that's really what I liked about Emphasis Nest. Now, um, I don't know reveal? if you had any other thoughts on that. The the reveal of her. Yeah. Yeah, she's a, a younger girl, and uh, she's fighting uh, pretty much against the rebellion, but it's also for the sake that her mother died fighting for the same cause, and I feel like that's her motivation, that's her driving force to do this, do the continuing battle that she's enduring with that gang of marauders. And also, if you did notice that some of those gang of marauders also we see in Rogue One as part of Saw Gerrera's group, like two tubes and those like that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you see that's that really, that's really truly the where the, the rebellion's beginning is what we're watching. It all begins with the coaxium, my dude. Yes. So what about Dryden Voss? He, he's like for the first time in Star Wars. It's not like some weird alien character. Then again, we like we said, we talked about it before is – well, we talked about this on our own. Uh, I don't think Dryden's a basic human type character because of the red eyes and the red skin condition that he gets when he gets angry. But he knows Terrica's sigh, as Kira does also, which is a form of fighting that the, the Praetorian Guards use in Episode Eight. And it was also a game from the 90s for PlayStation 1 called The Masters of Terrica's sigh, which was a 2D fighting game. Hmm. Yes. So anyway, I don't know if there was that much to it. Oh, yeah. There's definitely... <laughs> Your boy knows his stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. I personally, uh, I thought he was a fierce um, and scary character. That I don't know who it was that was acting him, but did a good job. Um, he had this one weird thumb claw. Yeah, I saw it again, and I That's his and, I, and I, some weird. 
thing with his thumb going on. But uh, yeah, dude, like the whole movie, I was scared for them. I was like, damn, Dryden's going to get you if you don't do this. For sure. Like it was, he seemed dangerous. Like Jabba, like we understand Jabba, like and we understand like his allure and like how his veracity and stuff like that. But like we could actually see it in Dryden. Like he just seemed like the normal gangster. I'm going to fucking kill you if you don't complete this job type of person. And I, I feel like that's the really the first time that we got a good look at a crime syndicate boss that actually seems scary. I mean, we've had, we have scary people in the uh, Star Wars. Well, threatening people, not so much scary. Uh, like Thrawn and Krennic, uh, figures like that or that are a lot more aggressive than other people that we've seen. Cause like any day, like Thrawn's more aggressive than General Veers. Like <laughs> yeah. it's just, just how it is. But like, like I said, back to Dryden Voss. Uh, being the, the leader of the Crimson Dawn, it, it really seeing his, his acting was really on, on spot too. Like there's some times with Kira that I was like, yeah, this, it's either her writing's really fucking horrible or she got fucked too many times in Game of Thrones. Uh, <laughs> oh, I don't know. She's on Game of Thrones. Yeah. She plays the, uh, that, that, I don't know what the, something recce people. I don't watch Game of Thrones, but, uh, she's that guy that, she's the girl. That uh, the Jason Momoa's character fucks all the time, so you see her on screen getting fucked a lot. Uh, Interesting. Might have to check it out. Then. Probably getting Game of Thrones people hating on us now because <laughs> we don't watch well, Game of Thrones. Who cares? This is a Star Wars podcast. You want to go watch Clone Wars? Yeah, go watch Clone watch Wars. <laughs> but yeah, Dryden Voss was a really interesting character and a, a welcome addition to this wonderful universe that we have grown to love. So you think we'll see more of him. Uh, no, because he's fucking stabbed in the chest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who is your favorite new character from Solo, a Star Wars story? Oh, this is easy. I loved Rio. As brief as his appearance Who? and his part was. Rio. Oh, Rio Durant. Okay. Yeah. Is that is, Rio? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. John Favreau's um, character. Brief, yeah, as brief as his part was, I thought he was really funny. I thought he was really, like, quirky. And just seeing him, seeing him like clown all around the cockpit of the ship. Yes. Was really entertaining to see. You know what I mean? He was very skilled. And I was really sad to see him go so quickly. Uh, yeah. I really wish he would have survived that, uh, the conveyance heist. Uh, and John, like, I just wanted him to talk more. I, I just wanted to hear more dialogue from him. Like that scene where he's cooking when he has all four arms going. He's like, boy, you'd really like my Minoc roasts. And he's just fucking going at it, stirring pots, fucking cooking meat, just the full fucking money over there in the corner. And like when Han like sees him like dressed up as a mud trooper, you uh he's like he knows like his uh, I think it's an authorian or something. I'm gonna I'm gonna check that real quick, but continue your thoughts on that. What's your second favorite character new character? Hmm. I really like Kira's character. You did I'm not gonna lie to you. Um and I'm excited to see what more Ardinian is to offer i know she's he's an know, he's yeah a, amelia clark did a great rendition of her he's an ardinian he from the homeworld ardinia he's 1.49 meters tall i like the weapon oh, he used sure. too uh that blaster remember we had that blaster in uh battlefront one oh yeah yeah the, uh, the se something yeah it's the weapon that shot in five bursts five round bursts yeah yeah yes. yeah I remember. Man, I miss Battlefront 1 and those pistols. <laughs> hey, it's where we met. It's where this beautiful friendship uh, came to be, buddy. Right. Yeah. 
Cargo on the Golans on Badlands. That's where, that's where you'll meet uh-huh. us. Uh, <laughs> so what's your thoughts on the film pacing? Can you elaborate on the question a little bit? Okay. I'm kind of confused. Okay, like the, the, the feel of the film and like, okay, pacing, the film pacing. Uh, like was, it, was it too boring to at times? Too quick? Yeah, like, is it no. too exciting? I feel like there was, like, periods of, like, lore, then excitement. Periods of talk and story progression, then excitement. And it did that way yeah, the whole exactly, way throughout. Exactly. It felt like an Indiana Jones film. Oh, yeah, I get that feeling. Yeah, and I, I feel like Ron Howard really took that whole, uh, I'm working for Lucasfilm thing again and just fucking ran with it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think it was, I think that's one of its strongest, um, there were no, there were no lulls. That's one of the stronger, um, traits of the movie yes there were no boring lulls if anything there was lower pace mm-hmm. then that was because you needed to get something for the story yes. to be pushed forward and with the story it kind of felt like uh raiders of the lost ark like he wasn't like he was trying to get the ark but by the end of the movie he he didn't care who the fuck got it as long as the nazis didn't get it and that was kind of like han's thing like he had to get the coaxium but by the end of the movie he didn't fuck who who cared as long as the Empire's not getting it? Not the Empire, but as long as Dryden Voss and the Crimson Dawn's not getting it. You see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And also, uh, I, I think I, I want to point out to you is, so, like, you know how, like, Han's story is? Like, the whole movie, he's, like, wanting to get back to Corellia because, like, that's where he's from and, like, that's where Kira's at? Who else has that problem? Hmm. Ray. I'm not sure. Yeah. Think about it. Ray constantly I got to go back to Jakku. My parents are going to be there. Right. You have that exact same calling back. So yeah. whenever uh, we see that interaction in episode seven where he's like, I, like Han's like, I, I feel like I know her, but I can't exactly place it. He he's she's reminding him of himself. Wow. That's my mind is just blown right now. I did not think of that, dude. So like. With the Kasdans were writing this movie whenever episode seven was being written also. So literally the fucking Kasdans have had their hand in the cookie jar since the beginning of this shit. So John and Lawrence are like fucking tying everything together. It really does. It really does tie in like <laughs> yeah. that, doesn't it? Absolutely. That's really, that's really great. Um, thank you <laughs> a lot for pointing <laughs> that out to me. It gives me a deeper appreciation. I, I, I really feel like the... And the story of this movie is absolutely fucking exquisite. The the progression, the the three year jump was needed to see, you know, we see Han like signing up for the Empire because that's going to take him out of Corellia, and then three years later he's in the fucking shit on on uh, on uh, Mimbin, and he's just fucking getting shot at. He's fucking cocky, you know. He got already got fired from the uh, the Imperial Navy. And, I, and I'd like to see it, like, or, or read a book about, like, his time in the Imperial Navy. Exactly what the hell did he do to get kicked out? Because he said he had a mind of his own. But I, I really want to see, like, why, you know? Yeah, I would have. That's something I would have liked to see. I would have liked to see what exactly. And maybe we'll get a deleted scene. Yeah. I what? think it's a possibility, but you can only hope at this point. Help us, Lucasfilm. You're our only hope. Uh, so earlier you were taught, you were asking me about the box office and why it's getting raped at the box office. Yeah. Like if, if we liked it so much, then why is it not? The movie's you know, great. Why is it getting destroyed? Now, traditionally movies do not do well on the Memorial Day weekend 
Now, with Disney choice, now also, we got to remember, Disney owns Marvel now. So, with this month, we also got Avengers Infinity War, and we also got Deadpool 2 releasing one week, the next week's Deadpool, and the next week's Solo. Now, if you think about it, all three of these movies are out during the release of this film. Okay? On top of that, it's fucking Memorial Day weekend. Everyone's outside on a fucking boat getting hammeronied and cheese. So they're not in the fucking movie theater watching Solo. Like, they might go on Monday. You know, it's their recovery day. They're chilling out, trying to get uh, heal up from those hangovers so they can go to work the next day. But traditionally, like I said, the box office is not really hot on Memorial Day weekend. Granted, it is the fifth highest opening of a Memorial Day weekend ever. And with it crawling by with $103 million right now, it's only made back half of its production budget, which isn't looking good. So hopefully word of mouth picks up and we're able to get some sort of profit on this film. And then Disney can be like, well, maybe these one-off films are actually worth it because with uh, Rogue One making a billion dollars, like that was a big deal. But then you also got to think of how shitty the marketing was for Solo. We only got two months of marketing compared to the fucking six or seven months we got for Rogue One. Right, right. And what did we get? We got one wave of action figures, one fucking wave, and it's like four of them are actually from the movie for like the Black Series. Like, that's fucking not okay. Or like the TV spots or like whenever you go into Walmart, you know what I saw? I saw fucking Marvel shit. I saw Infinity War. I still saw Black Panther shit. I still saw Deadpool, you know? I didn't see Solo. And whenever I did get to see Solo, it was a week before the film came out, and it was one line of Black Series figures, and they didn't even have all of them, Muhammad. They were still missing three from the, from the first wave. They had four Darth Vader helmets, which has nothing to do with the film, and they had some Millennium Falcons and some Nerf guns. So you, so you think that it was Disney marketing that dropped the ball on yep. this? Yes, and it's timing. Uh... Disney fucked themselves with this. If this movie released in December when everyone's kind of like chilled out and they have uh, and they don't have anything else to do and like they they spent all year creating hype for this movie, I feel like this movie would have done better than Rogue One. Really? Yes. I honestly think that if people had more time to understand like this is what this movie is and this is what this movie's about, then and also they weren't too pre- busy preoccupied with drinking or preoccupied with fucking marvel's infinity war or deadpool 2 because that's what movies are going to go see because superhero movies are the shit right now and until that fucking trend dies out this is going to continue to happen you either got to time your movies release properly or you're going to see a decline in sales and it's not franchise fatigue i don't care what the fuck cnn says they can shove it right up their ass it's not franchise fatigue it's marketing strategy and that's what caused solo to fail at the box office not story not because of the quality of film it's because of mark. It's it's because of failure to market the film properly. Well, I absolutely agree with you. I did think that the marketing was really weak on this. I mean, and only in the last month did we get start getting a huge slew of TV spots yeah. and and stuff. And it was it wasn't until the Super Bowl until we got the very first um, until we got the, the first, very first yeah. commercial, right? Yep. Uh so, moving on from the box office. So, as we agree on what I said, uh, episode one cameo. Weasel. Oh. Warwick Davis has a fucking line again since episode six. 
even though whatever the hell Ewoks say, yub nub and all that stuff, yeah, is a considered nub. line. But uh, he talks, he says a line, and he reprises his role from episode one. Which is awesome. I mean, it you is. guys like this guy playing two different parts in the same franchise. He actually has been in, in the series every movie since episode six. The same character? No, different characters. He's just nor- okay. he's just not normally he's normally wearing a mask and shit. <laughs> he he's he's played a bunch of characters, uh, but he yeah, reprises I, his role as Weasel. Uh, we see him in episode one again, kind of like the Aura Singh thing. Uh, he's watching the pod race with Jabba. He's actually used to be a petty thief for Jabba, but you can see he's focused his uh, his focus towards uh, the rebellion and fighting against the Empire. You know. Which is awesome to see. Yes. And it's nice to see that, like I said, the whole callbacks that it's Ron Howard's really honoring George Lucas and the previous Lucasfilm material. Oh, I, absolutely. I think Ron Howard did a great job in staying loyal. Now, uh, I'm going to let you take the next one. Oh, boy. <laughs> the big ah, one. Ah. Whew. So, as we all know, at the very end of the, not the very, very end of the movie, but at the end, we... Instead of joining Han and Chewie, like she said she would, Kira ends up double-crossing Han. Don't trust anyone. Don't trust anyone. Which, by the way, on that line, remind me, uh, I have some some thoughts on that line. Okay. Don't, uh, but, and then she gets in touch with the boss, the grand boss of the one that Crimson Dawn answers to. And it's lo and behold, it's none other than Darth Maul. And it's just like, Mind blown because I mean he's only half the man we saw him in episode one, but <laughs> I mean well first of all for the fans that only watch the movies, this is a guy they hadn't seen since nineteen ninety nine. They thought he was dead and now he's not. He's just there with robotic legs. Yeah. Well for for us more diehard fans This is the we third know coming. That he survived. We know that he's heading some crime syndicates. And we know that he the lives on up until Rebels. You know, he lives on up until Rebels yes. when he get, finally falls at the hands of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, and you remember how one of our employees was saying that that's the Inquisitor lightsaber? That's not the Inquisitor lightsaber because that hasn't happened yet. Right. It's just... It's just the, his lightsaber that he uses. Yeah, it is the same lightsaber, however, that he uses in, um, I believe. Almost, I'm like 90% sure. Yes. It's the same lightsaber that he was wielding yes, in Rebels. One of our employees Obi-Wan. said it was uh, the Inquisitor's lightsaber, and it's not because Rebels hasn't hasn't happened yet, and the Inquisitors Inquisitors haven't been let loose by Vader to hunt down the Jedi children. So the Jazz Jedi man. Yeah. <laughs> so my reaction. So what was your reaction to whenever you seen this? I mean, uh, literally, there's a whole bunch of audible "Holy shits." across the theater and i was just just i was just in like my jaw dropped i was like this is when i saw fucking cool also did you know sam witwer voiced him in that movie and and that is the same actor uh no the the actor is ray park uh the voice is sam witwer who voiced him in clone wars oh well yeah um he also uh, makes sense he he also did the voice and 3D modeling for Starkiller in the Force Unleashed series. Oh, really? Yes. I didn't. I didn't know that. Yes. Uh Yeah. Like whenever 
they like showed like showed his mollygram. That's what I'm calling it instead of a hologram. Mollygram. It's mollygram. Uh I saw the legs, and then whenever he stood up and took off that fucking hood, I literally stood up and was like, "Fuck yeah, it's fucking mall!" Like, <laughs> there's only three guys in my yeah. theater because I went to like one of those you know uh, matinee opening day oh, type things. I only paid five dollars to see Solo. I'm a cheap fuck. Uh but yeah, my reaction was like, "Holy fuck!" Like, there, this is real. Like. <laughs> Hell yeah, it's real, dude. It's real, and it's hopefully the be- the beginning of something else. Yes, it's not just that. Segwaying into our next topic with Kira, Mister Mall, Han, Jabba, Chewie, possible sequel for Solo: A Star Wars Story. Do you think it's going to happen, Mo? You see, I have absolutely no idea. I hope so, but seeing. I mean, you know, Disney, they, they don't really care about us per se. They just kind of, it's the bottom line that matters. I like yeah. any big corporation. Hopefully, um, they listen to the fans rather than in strict financial considerations. Yes. Because Ron Howard set it up. Like, how can we not have the sequel? You have Kira returning to Maul, going to Tatooine. You have Han and Chewie going to Tatooine, see Jabba. You have Obi-Wan and Luke on Tatooine already. How is this? This is setting up for another movie. Yes. Right there. I would like to see it again, like with the box office uh, flop that this is ending up being. Uh, I, I, I'm really not sure at this point. I really don't know what to say. Yeah, uh, me neither. You, th- you think that um, it's going to affect whether or not they're going to have other standalone movies? No, I don't think that that's going to get. Uh, I don't think that's going to oh. affect that because Rogue One. Rogue was amazing. It was, and I really enjoyed the film. Like, we already knew the story, but we didn't know, know the story, you know what I mean? And it also allowed us to introduce us to wonderful new characters, such as K2SO, Cassian Andor, and your beloved Felicity Jones, a.k.a. Jyn Erso. Yes. So, also, for our last topic of this solo review, where does it rank in your top ten list, since there's ten films now? <laughs> I want to put it at, like, five or six not because i didn't like it you just like i like the rest of star wars so much yeah okay let's see you got revenge of the sith number one for me yes empire strikes back yes uh i want to say rogue one yes i really like last jedi yes and then and then after that it's kind of well the the bottom two definitely is phantom menace and attack of the clone Attack of the Clones is yeah, always the last one for me. But you know uh, you know about my secret love for Phantom. Because without Phantom, I probably wouldn't be here today. Uh, and I think uh, without Phantom, you probably wouldn't either. Because yeah. we, are, we are prequel children. <laughs> we are the, the... We are... Like when people say, well, you grew up in the prequel era. The fuck yeah, we did. We also grew up in the Hell fucking yeah, re-release we era. Prequels and proud. We are power of the force too. We are power of the force too. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Yeah, uh, I would say I'd rank it like the same as you. Uh, Sith, Sith, Empire, Rogue One, Solo, Six, Four, Seven, Eight, One, Two. That's some fantastic memory right there. You just listed it out. Yeah. Just like bam, bam, bam. 
yeah, it, it's ever evolving, but I think forever Sith and Empire will be my my top two. Oh, for sure. Uh, and Rogue One, it it I think with re rewatches of Solo, it's gonna get bumped up. But that fucking with with our generation and loving the prequels as much as we do, I don't see Sith ever being dethroned. Like we, I, I hope not. That fucking Ana- that Anakin and uh, Obi Wan fight, Wanda. like we're 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 not gonna get better than that. We're not gonna get if, better than the fucking yeah, murdering right. of the younglings, General Grievous. Hello there, General Kenobi. Like we're not getting that shit. Oh, it made us fall in love with the Clone Wars. Like it it and made us want that fucking series, and we got it. But uh, like that, that that's Ooh, our Return of the about, Jedi. Like that had our, a great soundtrack. It did it had a great great soundtrack. You love that soundtrack. Oh, of course. So overall, uh, Solo was excellent, and it was a really good and welcome addition to the Star Wars franchise. So let's kind of shift our uh, our attention to some of these news articles we're talking about. Uh, Dobackdiscussion.net reports that there is a Boba Fett movie in the works, and I just want to bitch at you right now, Mo, for not putting your name on this article when you posted it. Uh, what? Yeah. Oh my god. You fucking noob. Every time. Do back I, there's to- always something. I even made a <laughs> checklist. I should make sure to do this and this and this. Do back uh. discussion reports. On the eve of the world premiere of Solo, a Star Wars story, news broke from the Hollywood reporter that Joseph Mangold will write and direct a new Star Wars film centered on Boba Fett. While it was previously rumored that Simon Kinberg, the writer and producer behind the X-Men films, which were shit, except the, the newest three, would be behind the Boba Fett project. Sources now claim that it will be Joseph Manigou, Manig- Mangold. Am I saying it right? Yeah, Mangold. Yeah, who, Mangold. Who writes the script. Mangold and Kinberg are close, having previously worked on the well-received Logan film, which was an excellent fucking movie. Though Lucasfilm and Disney will not officially confirm anything, Boba Fett, the fierce bounty hunter and fan favorite from the first introduced to the 1980s Star Wars film, Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back, which would be released in 1980. It was released in 1980. You could have just put 1980. And then also returning for the 1983 release of Return of the Jedi. Though he had relatively limited screen time, his origins were revealed in the prequels as a subplot, and his character was developed in comics, books, and animated series. And I also have a tattoo of him on my arm. It also yeah, reported. You do. It's really badass. <laughs> it is. It also reports that Lucasfilm has plans for movies on a number of movies, including Obi Wan Kenobi. Now, when you click on that link, does it bring us to our new Obi Wan Kenobi article? Takes us to the Hollywood Reporter one because I was because re- it was referencing the Hollywood Reporter. Oh, you should have just linked it to the one on our website. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I want this to happen. Uh, but then again, like I said, it, uh, them fucking box office numbers mean something to that to the mouse. Yeah, so let's just keep keep our fingers crossed. Yes. Although that's why maybe Lucasfilm and Disney won't confirm anything officially. Yes. So, uh, Star Wars Newsnet uh, and uh, reports that Billy D. Williams, you know, Billy D. Oh, Billy D. Is getting Billy into shape D. with a workout and a new diet. So with that being said, does that mean he's getting into shape for a role in Episode Nine? See, that's what I was thinking. With all this Lando hype now because of this film, are we going to see the return of Lando Calrissian? 
are we going to see the return of Billy D. Williams to the Star Wars galaxy? He won and only, although it's he's 81 now. So I don't think that really matters because ha- uh, Harrison Ford was 73 and doing fucking DL44 hand tricks and shooting fucking stormtroopers. So. No, don't get me wrong. I would think it's awesome. I'm just saying that maybe him being 81, he's just trying to stay alive, you know? Absolutely. I uh, hope I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but for now, take this as a grain of salt. This is just the end of the article. But this is a step in the right direction to seeing Lando back for one more adventure, especially at the Donald Glover's reprise role in Solo Star Wars Story as a younger version of the character. Uh, these are all what ifs and hopefuls. But Mohammed Ziad, Abu Ghazala, our Grand Master, reported. Take it away for our last topic. The Star Wars Celebration announcement. I would be delighted. Right? Star Wars Celebration, an event that brings together thousands of Star Wars fans from around the world for entertainment, stage shows, celebrity appearances, and much more, will be held in Chicago in 2019 for the very first time in its history. From April 11th to the 19th, the much-anticipated 20th anniversary of the convention will take place in McCormick Place, and we'll be offering single-day, multi-day, and VIP passes available at StarWarsCelebration.com starting June 5th at noon, Center Central Standard Time. More details will be released soon and can be found at StarWars.com. Now, we also link to uh, the Star Wars show coverage of the exciting announcement. And it's actually, for out. once, the Star Wars show actually announced something worth fucking <laughs> something, you know? <laughs> right, right. Something worth announcing. Yeah. So. Uh, Mohammed and I will be going. Uh, of course. Unless something catastrophic happens in our lives... Or if the return of Mohammed would come, then I don't think anything <laughs> would stop us, right? Oh, even if Mohammed returns, like <laughs> <laughs> we got no. we got priorities here, guys. Like <laughs> we got priorities. Uh, yeah, we're gonna be there for probably all five days. Uh, you'll see us there. We're repping the new do back shirts. Whenever those come out, stay tuned. Uh. It's going to be an exciting experience for us in Chicago, it being so close to us and also being the hometown of our very own Jordan White. And we have something exciting to announce later in the show. The Big J. The J. Dizzle. Sanchez. Lexican. Anyway. (laughs) I'm excited, Mo. And I I know damn well you are not only to be spending five wonderful days with, with the Bardo himself, you know. The oh big, the big cheese. That, that's a convention on its own. Yeah, but to be spending it together, enjoying such a, a wonderful event, the celebration of the reason that we do this, the celebration of our fandom, the celebration of church for us, <laughs> Star Wars. Uh, Star Wars but, celebration. But anyway, hopefully we'll see a lot of you guys there, you discussioners, you. We love you. Thank you for all the the, the support on Twitter. Thank you for the support on the website. Thank you for making this what we wanted it to be. And that's a place where people can go and discuss and argue and bitch about their hatred, their love, their anger, anything involving Star Wars. Discuss it on top of a do back on Tatooine 
in the Great Pit of Carcoon. I don't fucking care where you do it as long as it's on our site. <laughs> or speaking you, of, yes. speaking of, like we got a lot of exciting things to announce. We do. So upcoming projects for Dubac. We are, we we will be continuing the series of our fan film reviews. Uh, soon we'll be hosting a fundraiser uh, in Pennsylvania, which will be. Uh, I don't think I've really even talked to you about this a lot, Mo. But uh, Tim and I are thinking about doing a fundraiser where we uh, will show some of these fan films and people will pay a fee to come in. And then all proceeds will go back towards uh, do back discussion and making things a lot easier for our, uh, our other employees who are more needy of uh, funds right now who need new equipment and stuff like that. But also I will be continuing my unboxing series for black series. I got two new Lando. I got a Lando and a Han Solo figure here that I would love to get on film of taking a, taking out a box for you guys. But yeah, stay tuned for some awesome articles, especially with all this SJW shit coming up. I'm sure Mr. Joel, the man, the myth, the legend will be on a fucking high horse for a couple months now. Uh, but I, I feel like Mo needs to announce the biggest one. Mo. So, we have this project that we do every week, do back discussion and podcast. We also will be having a start hope. We also are going to start hosting a more kid friendly, um, kid oriented podcast as well for all kinds of discussion of Star Wars lore. And with that, I am pleased to announce Bantha Babble coming soon. A kid friendly show. Kid friendly, everybody. Friendly. <laughs> Not do back. <laughs> this is for the adults. Yes. For the men and the women and everything in between. Uh yeah, like he said, it will be kid friendly and uh Big J and returning. Returning is a fan favorite. The the man, Jogue the Rogue LeVeg, has been back with the Dubak Discussion team for about a week now, and he will be doing Bantha Babble podcast with Big J, Jordan, Jordan White on the side, however you know him. Uh, it will be this Sunday we'll be recording the first episode. There will be special guests. It will mostly be uh, lore, facts, and everything in between, as they say in their intro. But stay tuned. For Bantha Babble, it will be featured on the Dubac Discussion Network site. It will be part of our new podcast network. Whoa, I just announced our new podcast network. Go figure. Uh, nice. This fucker's getting big. Dubac Discussion will be a force to be reckoned with in the Star Wars community. And it will be your source for everything Star Wars. Uh, Mo, thank you for being on this show with me today. Thank you for being a friend and a confidant. Golden Girls... Uh, <laughs> thank you just for everything, Mo. I appreciate your friendship. I appreciate you working hard for this company, and I appreciate you as a person. I appreciate you, dude. Everything you just said right back at you. I appreciate your friendship. I appreciate your loyalty. I appreciate you as a person. It's it's a, it's a tremendous ride that we've gone on for the last six months. And as we're approaching the six month uh, anniversary of this uh, business that we have <laughs> endured here, uh, I want to thank all my team, my entire team: uh, Joel Myth Storms, Tim Gold Leader Keegan, Jordan uh, Big J White, yeah, Jordan White on the side, uh, Logan Levegue, 
for his continued love for Star Wars and this community. Uh, and our new, our new bitch, Dakota Sherwood, Dak, uh, you, he will be on the Bantha Babble Kronos, podcast every once in a while. Yeah, we, he, he likes to be called Kronos. Uh, you can just call him Dak just to piss him off because we feel like that's what we should call him. But anyway, uh, thank you guys for such an awesome experience up to this point. And I look forward to working with all of you again, seeing you at cons, working with you on the site, producing content, just everything. Uh, thank you guys for the awesome work that you do day in and day out for the do back discussion network. Thank you. And thank you to the fans that listen to this podcast. Thank you for your continued support. Thank you for the love and thank you for everyone that works with me that reps the Dubak Discussion shirt. Uh, thank you guys for that. Thank you for selling out our first shirt order <laughs> within a mere two days. Uh, <laughs> nice. Uh, thanks for the love we got at Comic-Con this year. Uh, I, I really enjoy it. I really enjoy our fans. I really enjoy the love we got. If you guys didn't know, John Kasdan tweeted about us recently. And we were also featured on the tops on someone's top Star Wars uh, podcast to listen to list, and we are honored, honored to be such a big part of this community now. And I just want to say thank you, thank you, from the bottom of our hearts, from do back discussion to you, from from TJ and Mo, we love you. <laughs> whoop, whoop. But with that being said, that is the end of episode 15 of the Dubak Discussion podcast. And this is your host, TJ Bowser, signing off. Grandmaster Ziad, signing off. Did you just Bye. make a noise? What? Did you just make that noise with your mouth? <laughs> Bye, Mo. <laughs> Bye, dude.